look at the cover of your outline, if you would. And last week, just as a little uh, moment to uh, touch and go back, it's important for us to understand that everything this world has to offer us is a counterfeit for what God has in our lives. Everything, the best the world has is a cheap counterfeit for the things of God. And as you can think about your life and everything else, that, that Paul made the statement, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. Remember that I'm Lord to be content. He didn't say I'm satisfied, but he said I'm content. I, I'm, not, I'm not moved out of peace. Or in other words, I, I'm able to be at peace. And the will of God for your life is that you and I know how to have peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And so we're not supposed to be an anxious people. We're not supposed to be fearful. We're not supposed to have fret or have anxiety. But we're supposed to be able to have peace. And many times, the more stuff we get added to our life, the more stress comes with it. More frustration. Well, if I had this, if I did this, we shared it last week. So we get all the stuff, and the next thing you know, we have a yard sale, and then we're asking other people to please buy our stress. <laughs> Amen? So, but it's a counterfeit for what God has. And God's pre- determined plan is the adoption of all and the restoration of all things lost. That's what God wants, is to see everybody experience restoration. And, and when I have an orphan's heart, when I have an emptiness and brokenness, then I keep trying to fill that, but God wants to heal it, not just fill it. Can you say amen? amen. So the heart of the Father and the Son is for there to be no empty seats in their house. What does that mean? It's not just filling up our house. We're not doing a frank campaign just to grow Solid Rock Space Center. But I believe every church in El Dorado County should be full. I said it in first service. I'm excited for our Anglican church. It's me. They met last night. Glory to God. That's so exciting to me. Pastor Victor and, and Josh. In fact, I'm trying to going to work out their schedule for have them come and, and meet us on a Tuesday night and, and do a service with us on a Tuesday night and that just so everybody can meet. But they're just so cool because there's people that, that, that that's their faith. They're raised up in that, and that's where they want to go. And these guys love God. They're preaching the gospel. They're loving on people. So that's what we want to see every church field. Amen? Doesn't and, and work with that. And so we can be a catalyst for God to do something great right here in our county. And what we have to understand, if we've experienced the adoption of the Father and our orphan's heart has been healed, how much more should we desire to tell others what is awaiting them in the Father's house? I, I quoted it in first service, but I want you to turn there. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to see it with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And beginning in verse 18, we, we always just read verse 17, and that's good. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anybody be, be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Glory to God. Amen? That's awesome. We get to be new created. Verse 18, Paul carries on. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled, look at that, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Or, the, the, excuse it, this probably isn't a, a perfectly uh, theologically example, but the, the, the implication is this thing. When Sean and Dana adopted our little daughter, granddaughter Grace, and their daughter Gracie, they went through an adoption agency. They, they, they went through somebody to receive their daughter and get their daughter to themselves. And you and I, the Father, went through Christ. Jesus is our adoption agency. Amen? And so the Father, and we're being adopted through Christ into relationship with the Father. Watch this. 
And so verse 19, that is God was in Christ, get it again, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed, watch it, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So this this word, that this, this good news, hey, you can be reconciled to the Father. You can be restored in relationship. Therefore, watch it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God, watch it, as though God were pleading what? Through us. So God pleading through us. Do you get that? God is sending us out. And, and when, when we're talking to our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, our neighbor, our kids' friends, God is pleading through us, be reconciled to me. The same way he was in Christ, reconciled, he's in you. And he wants to work through you. Amen. Now watch this. Pleading through you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that good? So our desire should be to thank God we've received this. Now, if we've got it, there's more for everybody else. Everybody say there's more. more. Come on, there's enough for everybody. So the power to be a witness is available to all who desire to be used by God to fill his house. And we read that, we covered that quite a bit last week on the day of Pentecost. Now watch this. It's time for us to go into the highways and the hedges with the power of the Holy Spirit and bring them to healing and restoration with their Heavenly Father. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6 says this, that God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families, and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. How many know that's a good word? That God sets the fatherless in family, and he redeems them and brings them out. And when we see people, I mean, that whole stadium yesterday and everything, if they didn't know Christ, they're fatherless, but God is trying to reach them and bring them in. Amen? Trying to reach them and bring them in. It's time to make the devil nervous again. In your life and in my life. It's time for us just to make him nervous. What do I mean by that? It's just this. And we finished here last week. See, he doesn't know what the Father has in store. The devil doesn't know. He can only see what's been revealed. He doesn't know anything. But this is what he knows. That the moment when Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come to my life. And, and, and we understand our citizenship, our relationship, our position, where we are positionally in the kingdom. And then we set our heart, your will be done. And we set our hearts to walk out his will in our life. The devil knows anytime we're in relationship with our father, we understand our position in the kingdom and we're walking his will. We're going to do destruction to his kingdom. And so we're going to take this ministry of reconciliation. Now understand this. The devil is knows he's going to hell. It's already said. Everything gets to the back of the book. There's going to final day. He's sealed. It's forever. He's in hell. Done. Finito. Period. Right? He knows he's going. His intention is this. I will take as many of you as I can with me. He's saying this. I am not going alone and he you you have an adversary who hates you enough to drag you into an eternal torment with him 
His one objective is to take as many souls as he can to hell. God's one objective is to keep as many souls as he can out of hell. If you ever get that, the devil is a bad devil and God is a good God. Forget all the stupid, well, if God's so good, how come they're starving children? Because you're dumb enough to ask that question. Don't let stupid questions bring an implication against God. You understand that? And, and so God is working to reconcile us and, and, and bring us into relationship. The devil is working to take as many down. And when you and I start walking on this path, he gets nervous. And the only thing he can do is try to get you off of that path. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. Jesus is speaking, and then he says this to Peter. Jesus, the, the, the disciples are arguing about who's being great, and then Jesus is trying to bring some clarity back into their life, talking to them about being servant and, and about loving one another, serving one another, how to be great in the kingdom. And then verse 31, the Lord just turned to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you like wheat. And so here's Peter following the Lord. And the devil can't see what God's going to do through Peter's life, but through the connection with Jesus. And God declared, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And you're understanding this revelation. And if Peter stays on this path, he's going to, build, he's going to be a part of building the church, and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against that. So there's something that will work in him that I won't be able to prevail against. So the only way I can stop him is I'm going to have to try to, find a way to sift him out of the will of God. And so he comes with an attack to pull you off to get you distracted. And it's not always bad. Sometimes he knows how to just distract us with good stuff. One of the temptations that he gave to Jesus said, hey, look at this. Everything the world has to offer is mine to give. Amen. That's why you need to have discernment because not every blessing that comes into your life came from God. My pastor said this years ago when we first started in ministry. He said, son, blessing is not always a sign of approval. He's doing all right. And so he'll, he, the devil will bring increase and he'll bring distraction. All he needs is a distraction to keep you from building what his kingdom cannot prevail against. Are you with me? All right. So he looks at you. But if you look at verse 32, Jesus doesn't leave Peter out there hanging. He goes, hey, Peter, but this is it. But I prayed for you, and when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. So thanks be to God that we have an intercessor who's seated by the right hand of the Father, whoever lives to make intercession for you. So Jesus is praying for you that you don't be sifted. But then he says to Peter, when you're converted, don't just go home and live your own private Christian life. Don't just go home and make it good for you and your family. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. When you're converted, let your conversion keep you in contact with ministering to the needs of others. Let the anointing of God that's upon you work as reconciliation. And let the Father work through you and bring many into the kingdom. Somebody ought to shout amen. So God wants to do great things through your life. So let me share with you these last few moments this morning on the cost of a no. What's it cost to say no? Turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. It's been two years. 
Numbers chapter 10 begins in the second year, or in the 11th verse. It says, In the second year after Israel's departure from Egypt, on the 20th day of the second month, the cloud lift from the tabernacle of the covenant. So the Israelites set out from the wilderness of Sinai and traveled on from place to place until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran. So there they are, they're marching through, and God's given them, the, released them to their marching orders, and uh, they're taken off. And skip down, if you would, to verse 29. And in verse 29, Moses goes to his brother-in-law, Hobab. Hobab, the Midianite. And he says this to Hobab. One day Moses said, verse 29, to his brother-in-law, Hobab, son of Ruel, the Midianite, we're on our way to the place the Lord promised us. For he said, I will give it to you. Watch this. Come with us. Everybody say, come with us. Now, everybody look up here. How many believe you're on your way to heaven? How many know it's a, it's a promised land? We're headed for a promised land. And we, and, and we have this hope. We have this great promise in God. And so when we're inviting our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, neighbors, and just friends, when we're inviting them and saying, hey, we're, we're headed towards the promise, why don't you come with us? Come with us. There's enough to share with everybody. The promise has enough for everybody. Come with us, look at that, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised wonderful blessing to Israel. But Hobab, everybody say but. Say, but Hobab replied, no, I will not go. I'll return to my own land and family. Not, not bad. He said, I'm going to go back to my land and my family. And so, look at what Moses said. Please, don't leave us. Moses pleaded. You know the places in the wilderness where we should camp. Come be our guide. If you do, we'll share with you all the blessings the Lord gives us. So he's being invited and promised to be partaker of the fullness of the... He literally said, come, come be a joint heir with... Uh, how many know that's what the gospel is today? That we are joint heirs with the Lord. And so when, you, when you're witnessing to people, you're inviting people in, you're, you're like Moses pleading with Hobab, hey, come on, be a part. You, use your gifts and your talent. Bring what you have into our journey. Amen. Go on this journey with us. And so Hobab's brother-in-law re replied no and departed. Look at your outline. See, in the kingdom of God, there's always a they. They. They got saved. They got filled. They got healed. They got blessed. They were invited. Amen? All the different things. I'm one of the they's. I got saved. I got filled. I got healed. I've been blessed. And I've been invited. But we ask ourselves, are you part of the day? Yes. But let me ask you this. Why didn't he or wouldn't Hobab go with them? Why wouldn't he accept this simple invitation? What would have held him back from the promised blessing? Well, maybe like us, his friends working with him. Thank you, Robin, for being our hostess. You're a blessing, sweetheart. She's hosting our luncheon afterwards. God bless you. Amen. What about his status? Maybe his status was too good just to be a trail guide. Maybe the thought of leaving his possessions, his land, and the things that were there, maybe that was too much to go with them. 
maybe his position. As long as you don't understand my position. You, you're, you know my dad. You're my brother-in-law. He's a prince. I'm the son of a prince. I have great position. You want me to go wander with this vagabond crowd? No, I didn't ask you. I, I asked you to enter into the blessing. But his friends, his status, his possessions, his position. What about the safety of the familiar? Sometimes failure is familiar. And we don't like it, but it's familiar. And people feel safe staying in failure all the time. I know people that feel safe staying in abusive relationships. You, you get to become familiar. It's, just, it's not the best. I wish it wasn't. But well, why don't you get out? Well, I feel safe. you're not safe. You're being abused. But they stay there anyway. What about the fear of the unknown? I know I have this. I know this. But you're asking me to give up all this for blessing. I'm glad you're excited about blessing, and you say it with quotation mark and a smile and loud. But what does it look like? Well, it's a promise. It's out there. It's the future. You won't know unless you go. Amen? And that's the way it is with God. You, you, you can only know by going. That's it. Well, I know none of us could relate to Hobab in any of that. But in Luke 14, it wasn't bad things that kept them from the banquet. We shared it last week. The, the servant goes out and invites everybody to the banquet. Come to the banquet. Come. The master has invited you to come. They said, no, 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 no. I, I, I just bought some land. Nothing bad about land. Land's good. I just bought a, a, a five yoke of oxen. Nothing wrong with, with a new tractor. That's good. And I just got married. Okay, that's good. Amen? So it's good. And, and all three of those things are increase. And so they're saying, wait a minute, I have too much increase in my life to come to the banquet. I've been in, my life has been increased. And so I have so much increase, I, I, don't, I don't have time just to go be at a banquet with God, with the Master. Are we doing okay? All right. So it was the blessings of God that, that God had given them that kept them from the invitation of this present. See, it's not always sin that distracts and restrains people. Sometimes it's the blessing. Sometimes. People, oh, those people did not. They must have been sinners. No, they weren't sinners. They were just distracted. They, they allowed blessing to sift them. They, they were sifted by increase. Not by sin, by increase. See, I said it in first service, I'll say it again. This year, this August will be 35 years since soon I went into full-time ministry. In 35 years, I've seen as many people miss God by increase coming into their life. Because, wait a minute, wait a minute, we prayed for you on the wall over here. Oh, wait a minute, God restored your relationship. Your friendly and family, family are back together. So now, because you have God restored your relationship, you have all your time for them, not for His house. Oh, no, I, I, I prayed I need a job, and I got a promotion, I got an increase. But now that I got the promotion, now that I got an increase, we have new toys. Now that I'm healed, I can go do stuff again. Now that our marriage is restored, we just want to spend all of our time together. 
Amen. Sunday's our only day off. We've got to hang out. Right? So Hodab said, Hobab. Hodab to Hobab said, Thanks, Moses, but no. Now stay with me. No bish. Read these last two things. No bish. Whether we go or not, God is still going to do what he's going to do. I've been amazed. Over the years, our church cycles, people cycle, every church cycles, doing what, and God still is doing what he's going to do. God, God is going to do what he's going to do. And I was, see, I'm excited about the gym. But, but I, I'm excited about the backpack giveaway and stuff. And, and there's people that, that were part of the first one, the second one, but they weren't a part of the last one. And, and now they, they, this thing's full, and they won't be there because something happened. It may have been there. It could have been good. It could have been bad. But you know what? God's still going to do what he wants because God loves Eldorado County. And he's going to reach lost. He's going to reach kids. But, but see, if you get distracted, if you get pulled off for the wrong reason, he's still going to do what he's going to do. His house will be filled. He's going to reach who he's going to reach. There will be a banquet. To read the end of this, there will be a banquet. Amen. And you know what? The cool thing is, is you get to the end, and this is what we forget about sometimes, is that, uh, well, I'm a little bit ahead of myself. I'll just say that. Look at the next point. So how do we stay on track? Number one, listen to leaders when they ask you to do things. Listen to leaders when they ask you to do things. Your Bible, my Bible says that before Jesus ascended, he descended. And he led captivity captive. And then before he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. The reason I do what I do is because of the call of God in my life to be a gift to you. Not for you to be a gift to me, but I am a gift to you. And the purpose of me being a gift to you, Ephesians 4 says, is to equip you to do. Not just to equip you to hear. And see, I like my messages. I buy my own CDs. But being a good Christian, being a good Christian doesn't mean just coming, sitting on a Sunday morning or in a church service and listening to sermons. That's not being a Christian. You're supposed to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. You're, you're, this is to equip you to do. Are you with me? And, and to be out and to be engaged and to make a difference and, and to reach people and, and offer reconciliation. And so when leaders ask you to do things, you're going to be faced with either a yes or a no. And there's a cost to a no. How much does it cost? You see, to Samuel, when he was just a child and the Lord began to speak to him, Samuel thought God's voice was his pastor's voice. So he ran to Eli the priest and said, Hey, did you call me? Because the voice of God sounded just like his voice to Samuel. And so he goes and, and, and he asks, he says, Pastor, did you call? No, I didn't call you. And he goes, he goes back. And he lays down and, and God called him again. He runs back. No, you called me again. No, I didn't. It, it, uh, it's the Lord. Sometimes as pastors, we're slow. Because it's the Lord. Okay? So go back. And if he calls you again, say, Lord, here am I, your servant. Speak. 
And so God spoke to Samuel. But, but the voice sounded familiar to him. God's voice many times comes through a voice you're familiar with. Doing all right? What about Moses? Moses was God's voice to Hobab. Hobab, come with us. Come with us into the promise, into the blessing. No, you know what? I'm going to go back to my land. I'm going to go back to my, my family. I'm going to go back to my possession. I'm not going to go. Thanks for the promise. Thanks for the offer. But I think what I have will be greater than anything I would get going with you. That's usually people rationing it out. What about the servants who issued the invitation out of Luke 14 to the banquet? What did they say? They said to those who were invited, hey, the master is calling you. And, and, and they, were, they were God's voice to them. You know what? It's important. To, see, it's hard to listen to leaders today because we're a rebellious society. You want to see the evidence for it on a national scale? The two most popular candidates running for office are two diametrically opposed rebels, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. But they're, but they're both obnoxious rebels. One's opposing a complete throwover of our entire governmental system and democratic socialism. And crowds of people are flocking to him. Young people are flocking to him because they're breaking out and rebelling against everything. And, and they think that, are you with me? So I, I, I have to condense this real quick. Donald Trump is just obnoxious. I'll say anything what I want about anybody, anytime. I'm, I'm just telling you straight up front. I'm not politically correct. I'll do it my way. I'll do it this way. It's, it's breakout. It's rebellion. And people go, that's who I'm voting for. I'm voting for the rebel. Glory to God. Why? Because I'm a rebel. Yes. How, how are you at following? I'm terrible, but I'm voting for a non-follower. Are you with me? And so when it comes to hearing the voice of leadership in our life, we, you, please don't misunderstand. It's hard to live in society and not be culturized by it. Amen? And so even today, we get that. And dealing with things and following the voice of our leaders today. How many remember growing up when it was dinner time? You didn't get a lot of choices. It was just, you know, they said, come on, dinner's ready. And you came to the table and, and you go, well, well, what's to eat? And you looked at it and said, I don't like that. And the plate sat there until you did. Because that's what's for dinner tonight. You didn't go, Billy, what would you like to eat tonight? Mommy made that. <laughs> Betty, what do you want? Mommy, make dad. And boo boo, what do you want? Daddy, make dad. And we all get together, and then they don't eat that show on the floor anyway. And when it came time to wear clothes, you, you, I wasn't able to go, I, sorry, I don't wear that brand. I couldn't be seen in that brand. I couldn't be seen with clothes from that store. I'm just glad to go to school in clothes. Thank you, amen. And so then we're, well, you know what, hey, when the voice of leadership comes, hey, once again, well, you know, I'm sorry, I don't eat that, I don't do that. So we've raised up a generation with peculiar taste and interest. And, and, and when the call of God comes, hey, would you do that? You know, I'm sorry, I don't do that. That's not my brand of serving. I'm preaching really good right here. All right? But, but, but we haven't been culturized at all. So watch this. Here's the third point, most important point. Watch this. When God is asking you to leave and go past the safety of your common ground, it can be dangerous to stay. See, Moses said to Hobab, Hobab, come with us. 
come with us. But to come with us, you're going to have to leave the safety of your common ground, of what's known to you, what's familiar to you, to go into the unknown. But hold that said, no, I'll stay. But if you read on in Numbers, you get to chapter 31, and God speaks to Moses, says, okay, now raise up the armies of Israel, and I'm sending you out, and I'm going to judge the Midianites for their transgression. And God sent out the army of Israel, and he judged the Midianites for their transgressions against God. And every male was killed. Which means Hobab perished in the judgment. So what's the cost of a no? Well, no, I would go, but you, you know what? It, it's just here, and this is familiar, and I have status, and I have position. But you know what? But, but God, see, what, what's happening, if you read the end of the book, you get to the very end of the book, the Bible says that there is a new heavens and a new earth. At the very end, after the great white throne of judgment, after Satan is finally sent into hell, Eternal lake of fire for eternity. Not released again. He's in, released after a thousand years, deceives the nation, and then the final judgment, and, he's got, and then a new Jerusalem, the new heavens, and a new earth is coming. So, so that's the end. That's the full promise that we're heading toward. That's the complete promised land. Can I get an amen? That's what we're looking for. But, but, but to get there, there's a judgment between now and there. There is a day of judgment that is in the future. And sometimes God doesn't say, Moses didn't say, hey, hold back, come on. God show me there's going to be a day that he's going to have to judge the Midianites for their transgression. So it's best for you if you come with us now, you will escape the judgment. Moses didn't say it like that. Do you understand what I'm saying right here? Sometimes the revelation comes while you're walking out your yes. You don't get it before yes. You just have to say yes and walk it out. How I many know if Hobab would have said yes, he'd have been there in the right place on the day when judgment came? Do you know why we preach the gospel? Because God has given us some foresight to know that there is a judgment day coming. John the Baptist stood up and said, hey, who has warned you to flee the wrath to come? And so the reason we plead with people, the reason we invite the Franks in that is because we know this is coming. So we're saying, come, walk on this path. Come to the promise last week. God wants to bless you, and all that is true. But then we have people for good reasons, for land, for families, for, for, for increase in their life, and, and they just haven't been able to say yes. But you need to keep pleading with them. You need to keep asking them. As long as we have to have opportunity, ask them again and ask them again and ask them again and ask them again. Why? That they might not perish. Let me ask you this. Who remembers the name of the ten spies who refused to go into the promised land? Anybody remember any of those names? One name. One name of one of the ten. Anybody know one? just one of them? You know why we don't remember their names? Because they were losers and they lost. No, they said no. Who are the two that said yes to God and went in? Who said real loud? So we remember them for their yes, not for their no. 
And Sean was saying about being remembered. You want to be remembered in God? You want an eternal legacy with God? Then start saying yeah. You won't be remembered for saying no. Well, you know what? I have too much land. I've been blessed too much by God. I'm too, you better find a yes when you walk with God. Yes will always create a legacy that will last for eternity. Hallelujah. Watch this. The cost of not going sometimes can be 40 years without purpose. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. This cord bug not take this off. This is what it means. It means that many times in our Christian life we get bored. And people go, you know, I'm just not feeling it anymore. You know, I'm just kind of discouraged. I'm just kind of bored with Christianity. You know, church just isn't doing it for me anymore. you're wandering without purpose. You know, for 40 years, then those that listen to the ten spies, that's why it's so important who, who you listen to. And people always pull you over here. And see, people, when they say no, nobody wants to say no alone. They want you to come do no with them. So you'll always be invited into no. Amen. In fact, people are more evangelistic with their no's than they are with their yeses. But then you are, well, how, how, what am I passionate with? Well, if I'm hanging around with people who said no, then it's just existing without purpose. How do I get passionate? Saying yes. Say yes to what? Say yes to VBS. Well, you, well, you know, you, you're missing it right here. Say, say yes to helping out VBS. See, we're not, we don't do ministry events here because we think, the, the government thinks you're not smart enough to order your own life. So they want to control you. We're just trying to give you some place to say yes to God and for you to discover what He wants to do through your life. For you to experience this great adventure of God's will in your life. And so, so we invite, now why? God's going to do it either. We're going to have VBS. Whether you say yes or not, stay with me. We're going to keep giving away backpacks, whether you say yes or not. Now, don't take it. I'm not being personal here, but I'm just saying we're going to continue to do ministry. And we're also keep giving every person the opportunity to say, yeah, I want I want to be involved. Yes, I will get involved. We're going to keep ministering to kids. We say sign up for children's ministry. Well, you know, my status and I always felt that God would use me in, and I really feel like my gifts would be better suited over here. But I always found out that God never asked me what I wanted to say yes to. Back up to the food that I want to eat as a child. <laughs> what clothes I, I mean, where I want to go. Amen. But I found out that every opportunity in life and serving God, when the, the night we graduated from Bible school, this pastor from Bernie goes, would you like to come and serve at our church? We'd like to come be on that. Yes. Two families from Beaver go, hey, our pastor left. Would you consider coming and being our pastor? Yes. Our superintendent and Pentecostal church guy, hey, we, we thought we'd like to plant a church up, uh, up here in the foothills. You ever thought about no? Would you consider it? Yes. Next thing you know, we're every opportunity came from a yes. I had no idea it was on the other side of yes, but... You just say yes. Are you with me? 
who said, you want, in, in, in 1998, Pastor Doug called me up. Hey, Don, you want to be a part of building the Lord's Gym with it? We're launching this Lord's Gym. We got this thing going. This was Doug's selling line. Hey, United Way. Doug always has a hook. He goes, United Way is lets us be a part of their giving campaign. And we can go into a corporation and they'll give us money and they'll fund the Lord's gym. Bar. This is a great way God's opened this great door. We got hooked up with United Way. It cost me $6,000 a year. I never saw that back. Because we started to go, you have to have an outside audit because you make over $250,000 a year in your business. So you have to have an outside audit. So I go, yeah, how much it cost to audit? That would be $6,000. So I'm thinking, man, we're going to get back money. We never broke even. I called Doug, you lied. Dude. But anyway, so, but, but you say, yeah. But, but see, we said it in 1998. We said yes. We want to do a Lord's Gym. That's part of our heart. We want to reach the youth of El Dorado County. That's always been our heart. So we say, yeah. And then it took eight years from yeah. But we never let that yes go out of our heart. That was a part. We talked about it. We had saving for it. And then one day God said, okay, it's time for yes to come to pass. And we opened it. And now we've been walking in 10 years of a yeah. And now we're reaching our city. God's putting businesses. What corporation? Corporations. Do you understand that? Do you know how much it costs to, to, to advertise like that and, and, and things like that? People. But how do you how does that God how does that happen? In a yes. You don't get to know before. God just says, hey, say yes. Are you with me? I need the worship team to come back. Watch this. So many times the call of God, say with me these last three points. Many times the call of God to leave the safety and provision of your today is to spare us from the destruction that he knows lies ahead. Hobab was offered to be spared from the destruction that lies ahead. But it took a yes that he didn't think was worthy of him. See, he's the God who reveals his plan from the end to the beginning, not from the beginning to the end. Now, stay with me. Answering the call of God in our lives is as easy as saying yes to every opportunity to serve that comes your way. It's as easy as saying yes. Someone says, hey, could, could you help us take out the trash after service? Yes. Would you help us usher? Yes. Would you help us do this? Yes. Would you help us stuff backpacks? Yes. Put yes in your life and your walk with God. Put yes back in your answer to God. Why? Watch this. See, that's all that was asked of Hobab. If you go back and you listen to what Moses said, say, Hobab, come on, would you, listen, Hobab, we're not asking you to do anything spectacular. We're not asking you to do anything to give that, that takes great skill. Hobab, you know, you've lived in this desert your whole life. You've lived in, you know where all the best places are. You know where the safest places are. You know where the, we, we need you to use what you know. Hobab, it's not glorious. We just need you to come with what you have to help us go. And, and if you just come just at this place, Hobab, wait a minute, I'm the son of a prince. You want me to be the guide? 
not a tour guide. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, you know, a, an extreme outdoors guy. That is not my thing. I'm not a wilderness guide. I am a friend. I have land. I have family. I have position. I have status. If you want to ask me to do something great to do, and sometimes we miss our yes because we're waiting for our fame. We think when God asks me to do something, he's going to bring me out and ask me to be famous. Because I've been sitting in this church for a long time listening to this bald guy preach. I deserve a promotion. Are you with me? Our life and call, watch this, is to be defined by a road paid by yes. Please hear this, guys. Please hear this, every one of you. God asks you to say yes because there's something he wants to reveal in your life that can only be shown to you in the yes. You won't know what God has for you until you start saying yes. You'll be in there ministering to a kid and you thought, man, I never thought I'd... God will begin to speak to you. waiting for you just to say yes because I've been wanting to show this to you but I can only show it to you in your yes seasons there's some things God can only do in yes seasons with us he's not going to show it well as soon as the Lord tells me as soon as I get a little more clarity (laughs) hey guys I have no idea what I'm doing I never have but I do know how to say yes. And every time I say yes, it's amazing how it opens up. You know, listen, we couldn't have planned for this year's backpack to turn away then. But God says, hey, if you'll say yes, I'll show you how I can get glory through your yes. You never know. You could work in VBS this summer. And you may be the answer to unlocking one child's heart. There may be a special gift in you, a moment in you, a conversation with you, a time of prayer with you and one child. That somehow God would have them connect with you in a way that something about your life, your past, your friend, would connect with that child in such a way that it would turn that child's around, life around. And then by reaching one child, you never know. Next thing you know, not only that child, but that whole family is sitting here. And now your yes has destroyed the kingdom of darkness. Are you with me this morning? This is so powerful. See, we never know when one step into yes, when we step into into and fulfill our life, when we will step into and fulfill our life assignment and use every experience we gained along the way by saying yes. See, every time you say yes, you, you gain experience. Every time you say yes, you gain experience. And, and, and your toolbox gets a little fuller. And see, we all think our life assignment today, because in our society we're defined by success. How, how, how many of you that, that have teenage kids and stuff now, uh, when you were a kid, uh, the people you thought were famous when, when, we, when we were kids, during your 50s and 60s, the people that we knew who were famous, your kids don't even have a clue who they are. I mean, they think Leave it to Beaver was an outdoor channel show. Amen. And so your kids, your kids have no clue who they were. But but that, but that you know, people were famous. 
And so young people today, the people you think are cool, they won't be famous in a few years. Because fame is a season. Yes is a reward for eternity. Jesus said, hey, you said yes and you were faithful over little. I will make you ruler over much. Yes, with God is connected to eternity. This world offers you fame for a moment. You know how that works? It's like this. It's like this. You go, uh, uh, William Schaefer said like this. He said, hey, this is the definition of fame. Like this. Who's Sean? Is that Sean? That's Sean! Wow! I just got my picture with Sean! Wow! Next week, who's Sean? Is that, see, see, watch, watch, watch. You know what I found out? Nobody knew where Bieber was. And then the next thing you know, Justin Bieber has now made Bieber popular. Think it's a name named after Justin Bieber. No, it's not. And so Bieber was nothing until Justin. And so Bieber was famous for like one news article. And now nobody knows where Bieber is again. And so people have been going to Bieber. 500 people taking selfies with the road sign that says Bieber. True story. Kingdom promotion is always faithful over little before ruler over much. Always. The Lord gave me this this week. Fame is only for a season. But faithfulness in serving is its own reward and fame. What do I mean by that? See, I can think that God using me and me stepping into my time of purpose and fulfilling my purpose in God would mean, would be equated with world fame and, and popularity and all that, and people would really know that I'm a, this great servant of God. But like I shared in first service, my fulfillment of purpose in God might just be to reach a young man like Jonathan and raise him up for the greatness God brings. And so all of my yeses bring me to a moment where I can minister to a Jonathan. God could raise him up to do the next great thing. And when I get to heaven, I found out that not anything else I did, but he was my life assignment. Do you understand that? That he, because why? When Philip, are you with me still? I, I, I know I'm, stay with me. When Philip preached to Samaria and won a whole city, God took him out of the revival that reached the city and sent him to one. He sent him to one man. He sent him to an Ethiopian eunuch. He tra- God supernaturally translated him after that. But there he is. Philip is walking, and there's this Ethiopian. And God says, go join yourself to him, an Ethiopian eunuch who is in the queen's court. And he leads that eunuch to the Lord. He goes back to Ethiopia, and the gospel goes from Asia to Ethiopia through one person. And Philip reached more through a eunuch than he ever did in the city of Samaria because his life purpose in God was in a yes. When God said, go join yourself to one. Wait a minute, I just preached to a city. You want me to go join myself to one, Where's the next city? Where's the next campaign? Where's the next promotion? God said, no, go to the one. 
you with the multitude. It'll cause you to be numbered with the blessed and seated at his table. And will keep you from being judged in the end. Maybe you're here today like me. Maybe you're here and you've experienced the cost of a no. See, when I got saved at 25, I knew long before I got saved that I should have said yes to God with my life. But I kept saying no. And, and I've paid the cost of a no. I've walked through the cost of no. Maybe you're here today and you've had lots of time, lots of opportunity to say yes to God with your life. Maybe it's not just sin. See, for me, I kept going back. I, I love the things I was involved in. I love the, the things I was doing. And it wasn't because of increase. It was because of stupid. I look, For some reason, I love stupid. And I just kept being stupid. When I knew that I should be saying yes to God, Maybe you're here today and you're like me, like I was. You know the cost of saying no to God. And God brought you here today to give you one more opportunity to say yes. He's given you one more invitation just to say yes. You don't have to figure it out. He just wants a yes from you. Just yes. 